0: do to save his life call his wife in nothing to say but what a day how's your boy been 402 good morning good morning good morning how are we doing out there on this wednesday morning let's go get up make the coffee i tried to make a pot of coffee yesterday in the back studio and the uh, like i do every morning because i'm a good guy I know, you know, I know there's a couple of you out there who don't think I'm a good guy, think I I have these terrible takes. I get it. I know. Nobody's perfect, but I'm a good guy. I promise. So I'm out there. Yesterday morning, I try and make coffee every day before I leave. I go in there. I tell Eddie and the gang. It's like, hey, guys, you need coffee? I just made a fresh pot as I'm walking out the door. And they have these big industrial, I don't even know what to say, Uh, what would you call them? Uh, Industrial uh, Dunkin' Donut, like professional makers that you would see at you know behind the the desk at Dunkin' behind the counter at Dunkin' Donuts, and it's this enormous coffee filter and this enormous thing. And I I put it in the the coffee grind machine and I push the button, it grinds all the coffee, and then I pull the 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 thing out and I can see that the somehow the coffee filter folded. And all of the ground, all of the coffee grounds uh, are outside the coffee filter, all in the hard plastic piece. And like at that moment, what do you do? Like honestly, what do you do? You can't just put it in there anyway and press go. It's gonna just drip all these the grounds into the coffee, and it's impossible to save. I hate to waste a, an enormous pot of coffee's worth of coffee grinds, but what do you do? So I had to throw out all the coffee grinds and do it again. There's nothing worse than pulling out that. Filter and realizing the coffee is not inside it, very, very frustrating, very frustrating. But make that coffee anyway. Go try, and that's the best one of the. There are a few purchases I've, I'm off on a purchase right now. One of the few purchases I've made that I would take to my grave is saying, you know, totally worth it. There are so many purchases I make that are dumb, like my fourth baseball glove for for three hundred dollars. That's probably not a great purchase considering I don't play baseball. And all I do is break them in at the beginning of the season and smell them because I love baseball gloves. All right. That's probably not the best overall purchase, but my coffee maker and going from Keurig to an actual coffee maker and I go buy the coffee. I don't grind my own coffee. It's I don't need. I'm not that obnoxious, but I, I I get, you know, sometimes I splurge, there's a local coffee place, and we'll get the really expensive, nice coffee. But for the most part, we just get regular coffee, but the coffee grinds, you put it in the filter, you put it to the machine, you set it up in the morning. It is so much better than the Keurig. My, my problem with the Keurig was it never got hot enough. I don't know about you. No matter how many different Keurigs I had, I never felt like the coffee was hot enough. The coffee in the coffee machine that at my house, 100%, it is piping hot. I, I, the, it's one of the best purchases I ever made. Another one was actually, I don't know if I ever told him this. We talked about it, but I don't know if I ever told him. Spike Eskin, the boss here, the program director once tweeted out something about his soda stream and I kind of always wanted one. And he like praised it up and down. And I was, I love seltzer, and I was going through so much seltzer. Like I was going through two, three cans a night. And realizing how much waste and how much money I'm spending on s- seltzer, that I'm like maybe a Soda Stream makes sense. It is the greatest thing ever. If you do not have a Soda Stream and you like seltzer or soda, I don't get any of the flavors. I just make pure seltzer and, and just put lemon in it. It's it, to me that's the best you can have. It is the best purchase I've ever made. The Soda Stream is tremendous, and I found thankfully after. Long time trying. I found a, a supermarket in Vernon, New Jersey, not far from my house, that exchanges the, the CO2 cartridge cans. You used to have to mail away from them. It took forever. Now I go to the store. You get $15 off when you refill and return the other ones. It's tremendous. And then I got one of those, I forget the name of the company. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, one of those like beds in a box. Like there's Purple. That's not the company I got, but it's like one of those, those like, like a new. Bed companies? Man, I, think, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name on the bed company. Anyway, my mattress is definitely one of the best. Uh Let me see if I can find the name of it. No, 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 no. Oh, come on. You drive me nuts. Anyway, my mattress is one of the best purchases I ever made because, you know, I'm a big guy. I need a sturdy mattress. Otherwise, you'd have like a big, you know, Indent.
1: You were talking about your coffee maker. Did you ever try with your Keurig, um, where you can put like coffee grounds in it? Like my dad does it. It's like a they sold like a plastic yes, thing. It's yes, like a plastic thing. And you yes, put coffee grounds. In. Yes. Yeah, and I, you, nope, I, the same.
0: I did do that. Yeah. No, I still felt like it was just not hot gotcha. enough. Not hot enough. I'm much. Oh, my coffee machine is so much better. But those are the, those are the three things when I really think of purchases. My mattress. And the coffee filter and the SodaStream. Now, the coffee filter and soda SodaStream aren't major purchases. But, man, they changed my life. Changed my life. 877-337-6666. You know who else is out there changing lives and saving jobs? That's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers going on McAfee, saving jobs. That's right. He's coming back. And not only for this year, but moving forward. And you know what? I know you might want him fired. I know Jet fans are probably tired of, and I've heard them, they've called me all morning. You're tired of Joe Douglas. He was unable to build an offensive line. What's it been? Five years? Can't build an offensive line. Can't get a quarterback. All this losing, Salah loses two out of every three games. He's lost out there. He's getting coached in circles. It's an embarrassment. Nathaniel Hackett is the worst offensive coordinator we've ever seen. He's a failed head coach out in Denver. He was unable to get anything out of any of these quarterbacks. And Zach Wilson unable to do any of that, and yet they're all coming back because Rodgers gave them one by one a vote of confidence. They are the team. They are the plan, and the plan is coming back. And honestly, it's the right thing to do. In my opinion, it is the right thing to do. If you are going to bring back Aaron Rodgers, if you are going to allow him to be the quarterback, if you are going to move forward with the idea he's going to be here this next year, he's going to be here the year after that, you are all on board with bringing a Super Bowl to the Jets or at the bare minimum ending this ridiculous playoff drought and being a playoff team. And being a team that can contend inside the division, inside the conference, and you are going to give that a run with Aaron Rodgers, it only makes sense to have him do it with the guys he wants. It's not just acquiescing. It's not allowing him to run the franchise. It's making sure the guy you went out there and traded for and brought in here and 40 years old recovering from an Achilles injury isn't learning a new offense or isn't dealing with guys or butting heads with people he doesn't want to deal with. If you want to move on from everybody, move on from everybody. You want to get rid of Rodgers? Get rid of Rodgers. Clean house. That's fine. I think it's the wrong idea, but at least it makes sense. Trying to half-ass this thing and telling me, well, listen, what's he going to do? Leave? No, he's not going to leave. But maybe he won't be happy. And go ahead, draft draft a quarterback and tell him, instead of putting anything that could help him on the field next year, and tell him while he was you know doing everything he could to get back, having you know, different kinds of surgeries and, and unbelievable rehabs and restructuring his contract and and trying to get here and doing everything he can and now telling you he's he's long term here and he loves it here and he's telling Joe Douglas how much he loves him. He's telling Salah how much he loves him and telling uh Hackett how much he loves him. Go ahead and tell him that with the biggest asset they have to improve the team next year, you're gonna draft his replacement and a bench player for the next two years. Go ahead. Go ahead. See how that goes. You are all in on the plan. It was clearer than ever. All the Pat McAfee interviews we've ever heard from, knowing damn well you were hearing more of the inside of the team than you could ever hear post-game, than you could ever hear from the coach the next day. You knew it for months now. That was the best place to listen to, to get a feel for where the team is. Never more than ever before was this Tuesday when he told you he's coming back. It's for multiple years. The coach, the GM, and the offensive coordinator are all coming back. The plan is back on board. We're going to forget about this year like it never happened. We're going to Will Smith men in black this bad boy and just flush our memory of this miserable season, and we're going to pretend like it didn't happen, and we're all right back on target. And they're going to try their best to fix the offensive line. They're going to give them more wide receiver weapons. And you're going to go about this and try and win with this lousy group of coaches that none of you have any faith in. And if you're worried about losing the team, here's another thing. I don't fear anything about losing this team. You know why? Because the team might not right now believe in Coach Sala. The team certainly might not believe in Hackett. There may be some question marks about the GM, and right now the question around the team is whether or not the effort they gave on Sunday is acceptable and whether or not more effort like that is upon us the last three weeks of the season. But I'll tell you right now, there is one gentleman that they absolutely have immense faith in and there is one guy that they trust implicitly, and there is one guy they will follow to the ends of the earth, and that is Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers is telling you that Coach Sala, and if you listen to the cut, is an excellent head coach, whether that's true or not, I don't believe that. I don't think many of you believe that. But if Aaron Rodgers is going to go publicly and tell everyone who listens that Douglas has done a great job in the draft, that Salah is an excellent head coach, and that I'm coming back, I'm sticking through this thing, this won't be the last lasting memory you have of me in a Jet uniform. We will rise like a phoenix. It's always darkest before the dawn. If he's going to pull out Batman cliches and defend this head coach, then you bet your ass everyone on that team is going to follow suit. Doesn't mean you're going to win against Washington. Doesn't mean you're going to win any of these next three games. But the idea that this team is going to give up on the leadership when Aaron Rodgers, the man they desperately wanted, the man that changed the entire franchise, the man the entire defense and defensive meetings was practically celebrating that he was their quarterback, a Hall of Fame, arguably Mount Rushmore quarterback inside the NFL, is telling them, I'm on board. These guys can win. I've been around, I see things. I know this coach can do it. I know Hackett's offense is good for me and good for quarterbacks, and we're going to score points and we're going to win football games. No one's going to argue. No one's going to argue. And that's where we are with the New York football Jets. The season's a disaster, but you have to stick to the plan. There's nothing else to do And I'm telling you right now, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback for the future no matter where they are in the draft. I think they're going to draft a tackle. I think they're going to draft a wide receiver. I think they're going to draft someone who can help the next two years chase a championship with Rodgers. I think they are full bore on that. And honestly, if it's Douglas, do you even want him drafting a quarterback? The plan is back. And the plan is not just for next year. No, no. No, no. It's for multiple years. He's been reborn and rejuvenated by the greatness of the Jets franchise. <laughs>
2: <sighs>
0: yes. Finally, some clarity from the from Floral Florham Park. And the other big story, which is the same big story, every stinking day we are waiting for what Yamamoto is going to do. It's getting tiresome. The new report from Bob Clappish out yesterday uh, that, you know, this could take all the way the full allotted time, all the way to January 4th when most people were reporting, and still reporting, that they expect it to be over by the weekend. But I, I don't know what we're waiting for. I don't know what's taking him so long. I don't know why he needs multiple dinners with all and multiple meetings and multiple pitches from all these teams. He knows what they have to offer. He's met with them. Now it's time to just get offers and make a decision. But I will tell you the Yankee optimistic view of why it's taking so long. And this is my honest opinion. I think, and what we heard from the initial reporting, is that he wants to be a Yankee for whatever reason. The pinstripes, the... the the nostalgia of it, the winning prowess of it, the brand of it, whatever the case may be, pitching at Yankee Stadium, whatever it may be. I think he wants to be a Yankee. I don't think he wants to play in LA and be in the shadow of Otani. And I just, I don't think the Mets are as appealing as the Yankees are. So my gut is we know that, and I firmly believe this, that King Cohen and Steve Cohen, and Uncle Stevie, all the same person. Are, they're going to have, the Mets will have the highest offer on the table. I think he knows that. I think that's probably already been presented to him, that they are going to pay him whatever it's going to take. So he knows where the money is coming from, and that's the Mets. So for me, I think he wants to be a Yankee, and he wants to play this thing out and see how far he can get Hal to go and how long he can play it out, and how many days Hal can sit there. The same Hal Steinbrenner that I believe was the driving force behind getting the Juan Soto deal done. He didn't want to wait. He didn't want to wait until Otani you know, spurned a handful of teams and they were looking to pivot to maybe Soto. He wanted that deal done. He pushed that deal over the line. Will he wait to see how much Steve Cohen gives? Is there a number in Yamamoto's mind that he's willing to take from the Yankees? They're not quite there yet and he is going to wait and use the Dodgers and use the Mets to try and get that number up so that the Steinbrenners finally think, I right, listen, what's another $20 million? I can't lose him? What's another $30 million? I can't lose them. And will the Yankees go there? And is it the right thing to do for a pitcher who's never pitched in Major League Baseball? Fascinating stuff, plus the dynamic of losing and winning for the Mets and Yankees. And I, And I told you, I think for the Mets, it's much more important to win. One, the Yankees already got Juan Soto. I took phone calls throughout the night. I asked a bunch of Cashman haters. I took took two or three calls from Cashman haters in the past and asked him, and Hal Steinbrenner haters in the past, and asked them, have they done enough? to make you feel better, is getting Juan Soto, and do you believe they're legitimately in for Yamamoto, and if they don't get him, they'll pivot. Are they in enough for you? Have they changed enough for you? And every one of them to a man said, yes, the Yankees have done enough. I believe in the Yankees this year. I believe they're trying to do the best thing they can to win. So some of that iciness and hatred and bitterness that's been built up by the fan base has already dissipated with the Juan Soto move. And I do think there are other options for the Yankees to pivot to, and they've proven they're willing to go out and try and go all in this year. The Mets have put all of their eggs in the Yamamoto basket. There's a couple of things. Jorge Soler has kind of been talked about. Maybe they'll go out and get a pitcher. Montgomery's slightly talked about. But we don't know the Mets' plan if they do not get Yamamoto. And if they offer the biggest money and he goes to the big brother for less, that's a big hit for Steve Cohen. That his money doesn't play with the one free agent they decided to go get and they lose him to the Yankees? That's a devastating loss. It'll hurt the Yankees to lose out to Steve Cohen in their first battle. It'll hurt the Yankees to lose to the Mets and the little brother to a pitcher they desperately wanted. And Brian Cashman flew personally to Japan. It hurts. I don't think it hurts as much as it does the Mets if he goes to the Yankees. It doesn't hurt Steve Cohen. I mean, it, doesn't, it hurts Steve Cohen more. And, it, and King Cohen takes a hit. And this season and this offseason is a weird pivot because I don't know what they're thinking. Now, if they turn around and sign Montgomery and Snell and get pissed off that they lost on Montgomery, then it doesn't hurt so much. But they would have to do something like that and change their plans of a slight step back, which is what it sounds like they're doing other than Yamamoto. So we've got a lot to figure out. Jets figured out. Yankees and Mets waiting For Yamamoto to tell us what's going on. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877 337 6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right. It's 425. Everybody up, let's go. Wake up time. We got the warm-up show. You need to warm up. Come on now. You think you got? You don't wait till 5 o'clock to warm up. You got to warm up for the warm-up show. So this is the warm-up, warm-up, half hour. 877 337 Hopefully Yamamoto just makes a decision today. I can't take it anymore. I just can't take it anymore. Can't take it anymore, Eric and Ron Conklin. Do you think your Mets are going to do it or what? I, I hope
1: so, c but, but first off, uh, uh, my bad for not uh, wishing you happy birthday yesterday. So I yeah, I, I w- listen. I wasn't going to say
0: anything. I appreciate you making up for it. Um, <laughs> I was I was a little disappointed driving home last night, but uh, I'll let, I'll let it slide since you uh, volunteered but, the apology. Uh, <laughs> but but just uh, I know I know. Um,
1: uh, Terry from Armenia brought up uh, birthdays by the holiday. You brought it up, too. My, my sister's birthday is Christmas. Yeah, all the worst. Oh, make, yeah, no, yeah, I know. I Yesterday yeah.
0: was my little uh, Christmas tidbit. I've been doing these Christmas tidbits every day. And, yeah, part, yesterday was um, obviously my birthday. And, yeah, these the, the holiday is so big and the holiday it's season hot. is so big, it just wraps – it just completely bombards your birthday. You don't have right. – you don't really have a birthday. Now, I turned 40 this year. We had a party. Ten years ago, I turned 30 we had a party. I turned 21, we had a party. I turned 10, we had a party. But ultimately, (laughs) just like, you know, the average run-of-the-mill everyday birthday... (laughs) I'm sensing
1: the consistency here. Yes,
0: you know, every every 10 years, they recognize I was born. But other than that, it's Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And it's just, and and I understand it, because now Um, now I'm on the other side of it as a parent. There's a million things going on, and you're buying a million gifts. Like, you're spending a lot of money on your nephews and nieces and this one and that one. And, like, you're buying, you know, expensive, you know, fish and whatever for dinner. Like, it's just, there's, like, a million things going on. So to have your birthday as close, mine's five days away, uh, six days away from Christmas, it's just, it always gets swallowed up. And I can't even imagine on Christmas right. Day, I mean, no one yeah. no one recognizes it at all. I mean, you think, right, you know, right. you got you to share a birthday with Jesus. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, also, too, real, real quick, Soda Stream. awesome. I've had it at least five years. It's great. Oh, love, but, um, love
0: the Soda Stream, Love it. Yeah.
1: Uh, but, look, as far as, you know, I, I didn't want to bring up any Jets talk at all, but I got to say the Yamamoto thing feels very reminiscent of the Jets' pursuit of Rodgers last year. I mean, he dragged okay. that thing out to the very end. You know, I mean, next thing you know, we're going to hear Yamamoto going into a dark retreat well, or or sharing the ayahuasca. Well, there's or, some
0: major, or, major, you know. there's some major, major differences. One, he was currently with a team and you were waiting to trade and he made it public. He wanted to be a Jet. Like, we aren't sitting around him saying, I want to be a Met. It's just a matter of figuring it out. He's He hasn't made a decision what team, or at least we haven't been notified. Of his decision on what team, so it's slightly different. I do understand the dragging it out point, but that was more. But that wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault. That was between the the Jets and Green Bay Packers. They couldn't figure out a compensation.
1: Right, but it still took forever, though. It did. I mean, it, no, uh, know in I mean, that, that in that, that one, you know, oh. in that
0: one angle yeah. of it, yes, it's similar. They're both taking time. So, yeah, I mean,
1: and you know. and I'll tell you, the you know, look as much as I want them on the Mets... You know, the, given given how long this thing is taken so far, and and if it does go to the very end, I mean, that, mm. that that would drive me bananas. But I mean, he better. I hope I hope he really is the goods. That's all I can say. I mean, wherever he ends up,
0: um, yeah. You I mean, know, of course, PIA, oh. he
1: obviously knows. He knows he's he's, he's being pursued by everybody. Everybody, like, nice.
0: and he's met with everybody. No, no doubt. No, this has the potential to be one of the worst contracts in the history of baseball baseball. I mean this he's never pitched here. Now typically, I mean Tanaka's come over, Kuroda came over, like these if you know they're a good pitcher, it's like there's Kagawa, there are all guys like that. Uh but this is different. And I you know Daisuke Matsuzaka came over with a lot of hype and he had the 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 ghost pitch or whatever his whatever his the name of his pitch was, but he had some sort of specialty pitch that we have we don't see over here in the states. Um, And he had some brief time, but he never lived up to what he was supposed to live up to. But for the main most part, when, like, this guy's won three consecutive uh, Cy Youngs, or the equivalent of, and he throws hard, and he's got, you know, they have scouts there. He's got an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable curveball. He's got an unbelievable splitter. Like, he's got incredible control. I, I don't think there's any real fear of him not being a very good pitcher, but... He's going to make ace money, having never pitched here. It is a different ball; it's a different league. Uh, there is going to be some time of getting used to it, I would think. But yeah, it has the potential of being really bad. But yes, I suppose they do have they do share in the idea of it being dragged out and really long. I guess that they also have that in common with Dave Matthews Band songs. So all three of those things all have that in common. Little little dragged out. Uh, John in Cranford, what's up, John?
3: Hey, how you doing, uh, Chris? The, uh, I think a perspective you're not taking on the whole Rudolph thing is that the actual story was published in about 1823 okay. with comment and everyone, but Rudolph the song comes out in 1949. Right. So when he writes that song, mm-hmm. everyone does know it. It's just that when we take our perspective from today, obviously we bore we knew Rudolph before.
0: I'll be, I'll be I, but then you can't call him the most famous if you're if you're just alerting me to who Rudolph is, then you can't call him the most famous reindeer of all, because famous means I, well known. If you want to say important, it's a different discussion. If you want to okay, say a- if you want to say the most impactful reindeer, different discussion. But when you say, I know you know Dancer, Donner, and Blitzen. Comet and Cupid and whoever else. You know all the other ones. But are you aware of the most famous reindeer? Well, listen, if you're going to assume I know the less famous reindeer, then yeah, I know the most famous reindeer.
3: I think he's using uh, – he's being alluding in literature. He's. Cha- he's. It's like many other things in literature where it's not – like you can't, you can't read it for exactly what it says. You have to under – you know, take the interpretation. Are you of it. telling? But I hear wait a say, second.
0: Wait a second, John. I just want to make sure we get this clear. Are you telling me that I am taking the lyrics of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer a little too literally? Is that what you're accusing me of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so, is yeah. that what you're accusing? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I think I have the exact exact right perception of the lyrics of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I am not taking this too literally or making a big stink of this for no reason at all. Okay? How dare you accuse me of that? Oh, Thank you.
3: Well, Chris, I wish you a Merry Christmas and I hope you get to enjoy this song uh, many more times. Thank
0: you very much, John. Uh, I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. Yes. Uh, yesterday was yesterday was uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Day at my son's school. It's amazing. I don't, it's fun, I'm not knocking it, but like, I don't ever remember having this, everything's a day. There was Grinch Day, there's Rudolph Day, there's this day, everything's a day. And you know what that means? It means I gotta go buy a shirt with something on it, or I gotta go buy antlers, or I gotta, I gotta go digging through my wife's things last minute to get some red lipstick to put on my son's nose. Like, whatever just happened to Tuesday? Like, I don't understand. Everything is a day around the holidays. I mean, it's, it's fun. They get into it. Who I don't want to be a bah humbug. I'm trying to get into the Christmas season. But, you know, everything's a day. And you got to dress them up for the day. So we had to have the Rudolph shirt, like Rudolph plaid. Like, there's there's variations of Rudolph day. It's amazing. Mark and Edison. What's up, Mark? Uh, good morning. I wanted to give you my uh, John Sterling Juan Soto home run call. Sure. Why not?
1: Uh, you know the song Juan Calamera, Carita Juan Calamera? Yes. So if I twisted the words just a little bit, Juan Soto Mera, he hit it farther than Cabrera. Juan Soto Mera, my Yankee Juan Soto Mera. How was that?
0: I didn't love it, Mark. To be honest with you. Thought it was. Uh... I'm just going to leave it alone. I think it stands for itself. I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort, but um... I'm going to move on. Mark and Woodbridge, what's up, Mark? How you doing? Happy birthday! Oh, thank you so much. It was yesterday. You're late. Where were you yesterday? Yesterday I was listening.
3: You're the best listener at, at night. Oh. You have tremendous insight. And tonight's the battle of the borough in the NBA between the Knicks yes. and the Nets.
0: It's certainly uh,
3: Mets, Jets, and Nets, and the, and 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 the Knicks are going to kick booty.
0: They're going to kick booty. Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's hope so. The Knicks are going to kick booty tonight in Brooklyn. No doubt about it. Well, we'll see. Uh, coming off a good win. Nets are coming off a tough loss. Um, we'll see uh, what's going on. I guess, I don't know if Sims is out, how, if they've announced how long Sims is going to be out. But uh, Hardenstein is going to have to step in and play big minutes. And they're going to have to play the kind of game they typically do. The, the 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 Nets are feisty. The Nets have a couple of guys who can really score. But it's going to come down to three-point shooting like it does so often with the Knicks. They got off to a terrible start, three point shooting against the Lakers. They they rally around a little bit. Randall's excellent. And Brunson turns it on in the second half of the game. But yeah, I mean, listen, I we'll see. They're good enough to they they're a better team than the Nets, in my opinion. But in Brooklyn should be a good matchup. Susan in Connecticut. What's up, Susan? They're gonna kick Steve. Booty.
4: How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing great, Susan. How are you?
4: Good. So in terms of taking in the lyrics literally, uh, literal the lyrics to Rudolph literally, you're forgetting that the lyric is Do You Recall? Yes. And you already know he was the most famous.
0: I'm hello? Hello? Yes, hi, I'm listening.
4: No, it's the lyric is Do You Recall? Yes. Which implies you would have already known he was the most famous. So no, the I, most famous. I lyric.
0: understand, but he's assuming I recall the other reindeer. There is no like, no, Hey, are you, you know, aware of Donner and Blitzen?
4: Jackson and dancer. Yes. So them, and then he's asking, and, not, and you recall that Rudolph was the most Yeah,
0: famous. I understand that. But he makes the assumption I recall the other ones, and then he asks me if I recall the most famous one.
4: Well, Rudolph was younger, too. So you know the other ones because they've been around longer.
0: Oh, because they've been around longer. But then why are they the most famous?
4: No, Rudolph
0: the most famous. No, I mean, Why is Rudolph the most famous if he's the one you're questioning if I recall?
4: Because it was his white. I
0: had no, 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 I, 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 I understand <laughs> no. the story. My point is, he makes the assumption that I know the less famous reindeer, but then asks if I recall the most famous reindeer. No. Yes, he you, does. You, but before you said
4: you was making the assumption that you knew Rudolph was the most famous.
0: No, he's not. He's he's not making the assumption. I know Rudolph. He's not. He's asking me if I remember Rudolph, but he's calling him the most famous. So why would he make no, the no, assumption? No, I said a couple
4: minutes ago on the on the radio. You said that he was assuming that you recalled that you knew who Rudolph was, not alerting you that Rudolph was the most famous, no. but implying that you had already known right. that Rudolph. No, was. okay. Well, he, and the word I, "recall" would imply that you know.
0: Yes, I, well, here's my what well, my point is. <laughs> I think we've gotten off the track here. My point is in the beginning of the song. He says, "I know you know dancer and prancer. I know that. But right. do you recall the most famous reindeer of all?" And my point is, why would you assume I know the lesser ones and then ask me if I recall the most famous one? Wouldn't you assume I know the most famous one and then ask me if I know the lesser ones? I that's, like, say, that's like
3: that's
0: I, I know, but he didn't. He was wondering if I recall. That's like, you know, do you, I know you know uh, you know lesser like I'm I a blank. I was gonna say Ronald Torres, like I said before, but I know he's not on the team currently. I'm drawing a blank. I know you know DJ LeMay with the Yankees, I know everybody. But it's like, oh, but do you recall Aaron Judge? It just doesn't make any sense. That's all. And I did it for one little segment having a little fun, okay? You don't have to keep calling up and asking me about it, right? I don't have anything else on it. Leave me alone with the reindeer stuff. Billy and Merrick, what's up, Billy?
2: Much. Happy belated birthday.
0: Oh, thank you very you guys are the best with the birthdays, I'll tell you. Thank you very much. I'm uh I'm one of
2: the few Mets fans that will not be disappointed if we do not sign Yamamoto. I okay. think it leaves I think it leaves a couple options that will fit the team much better, like signing a uh Chapman to play third and have that big bat behind Alonzo. Signing Montgomery who is a a known pitcher that can pitch in New York and be successful, and then the biggest thing that nobody has really talked about is Corbin Burns has been on the trade block for two years now, two two-time Cy Young winner, and uh, he's got a connection with Stearns, and Milwaukee's look, looking to move him. So I don't understand why yeah. the Mets don't look in that direction because they don't want to so trade. Pro- they two- don't want
0: to trade prospects looking at I
2: think you. I think you cut bait. If you, if you sign Chapman, you yeah. can cut bait
0: with, with yeah. I understand that, but they've already they've already been on the record talking about the idea that they are going to. And thank you for the call, Billy. That they are going to let third base take care of itself from in house. That's kind of what they said. I, I I haven't really heard them connected to Chapman really that much. You could do that. You could uh, that frees up uh, a couple players, no doubt. Um, but I think they're going to try and, and do that in-house, and they don't want to trade prospects. They're trying to build their organization up, and they're certainly not going to do it for a rental when they could just pay him next year, and it seems like they're going to take a step back for this year anyway. I, I don't see them making trades for big-time players, I just especially rentals. That's why they weren't involved in the, the, the Soto thing. I understand the connection with Burns and, and Stearns. I get that, the Milwaukee connection. That's fair, but I just I don't see it. I don't see them trading away prospects. They're doing everything to hoard prospects. They're paying money to keep prospects. I don't think they're necessarily looking to trade prospects, especially for a one-year rental, when I don't know what their expectations are for this year. And especially if they don't get Yamamoto to add one more starting pitcher to this rotation that is, you know, depleted more than just and has one more has more holes than just the one I I doubt that's what they do, but maybe, maybe Steve Cohen pivots. Maybe he recognizes that he can't sit this out or maybe, you know, losing out on Otani just pisses him off enough to say, screw it. I'm going to go spend money and put a great team on this field or maybe getting him and talking to him and realizing what the hell I've already spent, you know, 300 million. I might as well go out there and build a team because he is quoted of saying, if I'm going to go over the luxury tax, I'm not going to go over the luxury tax by five bucks. Might as well just blow through it. So we'll see. I think it's actually more interesting what the Mets are going to do cuz I don't know. I think the Yankees are clearly going to do something so it might end up being more interesting because they'll do something, but I'm I'm I think it's more it's less obvious what the Mets are going to do. I don't know how they handle if they lose, if they get Yamamoto, I think they're pretty much done. Maybe a couple of small maneuvers, they've already got some relievers, maybe they maybe they get a Soler and Pat, maybe they get something like that, but if they don't get Yamamoto, I'm curious how they react. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Boy. 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 All right, 447. Nick Mono here with you. These are the few minutes I saved just for you. I have five hours. I put away a little bit just for you. So let's go. 877-337-6666. We'll get through as many phone calls as we can over the next 10 minutes or so as we get you ready for Al and Jerry and the warm-up show coming up next. On the fan, Steve. And he's on the turnpike. What's up, Steve? Hey, how are you, Ben? I'm How's doing great. First?
3: I got a birthday
0: this week, too. So I... Oh, you know how it is. What's your, what, what day is your birthday?
3: On uh, Thursday,
0: the 21st. Nah, yep. yeah, that's close enough. It's uh, It gets swallowed up. You know it. Every year. Every year, no one cares. You move on, you get a card real quick, and that's it.
3: Yeah, basically, that's about it. That's about hey, it. I want to talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So, in my feeling, he's like a cancer. He was a cancer when he left Green Bay. <sighs> okay. Everything he's done or said has either been a lie or been a flop. Hmm. Okay. All year long, he's coming back. He's gonna be, I was at FanDuel on that Monday night trying to make a wager that he would get hurt in his first game. That he's <laughs> an injury, and they wouldn't give me a line.
0: Oh, they Steve. Put, no, and you knew said, it.
3: Oh, I'm going to be back. I'm going to play. He's not going to play this year. I don't think he'll ever play a game for the Jets. That's my belief.
0: Okay. Um, what, I'm not a Jets fan. Well, a what, what, makes fan. You, what makes you say that?
3: Because just the, it's just like, like how things go in life. All the hype. Everybody had the Jets winning the Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Or I just even played a game. Yeah. Then he goes on the field, he gets hurt, and he's done nothing but lie throughout the whole year. Before the yeah,
0: I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't think he was lying. I, I think there would be a chance that he'd come back and play, that the team didn't put him in a position where it made sense.
3: Yeah, but, you know, he was coming back. Maybe if we have a chance and we don't have a chance. Right. But sometimes, like, it just seems like a story, like they're jerking the public along make it sound better for the team that gets to keep watching, to keep being interested.
0: That's yeah, I don't know. I think it's the NFL. I think they're pretty interested. I think maybe there's a little bit to the idea of, and, you know, people have talked about this, and, I, and I, I've kind of agreed with it, and I thought this as well, the power of belief. I think he was trying – I think he understands how important he is to the team. I think he understands how important he is to the players, and I think he understood how frustrated the defense – uh, was I think it's still the same team that was frustrated by Zach Wilson the year prior and, and celebrated when Mike White was the quarterback. I think they thought they were in for a long ride. And the idea of, hey, just figure out a way to win some games. I can come back. I can come back. I can come back. Showing up, you know, the coach telling him, I need you. I need you. And he would show up on the field and throw the ball around and try to instill to the team that if you guys can figure out a way to win some games and keep us close I may, I I can come back. I don't think it was necessary for the fans. I think there was some of that for the team, but ultimately, I think Rogers is the type of guy who's a little bit self-absorbed, a little bit likes to hear himself talk, and a little yes. bit and a little bit relish the idea of coming back uh, with this surgery and being able to do something that no one's ever else has been able to do. I think that I think those are the two major things. I think he might have been as public. A little bit for the team, but I also think he desperately wanted to do this and have an opportunity to do it to prove he could. He's one of those guys, not like many other professional athletes. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of them. I mean, we saw the Jordan documentary um, back when it came out during COVID. Everybody saw it, and <laughs> we had nothing else to watch. Uh, and he would make up reasons to have a chip on his shoulder, he would make up comments that people made, he would make up reasons to be pissed off. So, you know, you know. Sticking it to the doubters is not unique to Aaron Rodgers. That is a very popular theme inside all of sports, professional, co- collegiate, high school. We do these games. We play. With, I had a coach. One I'll never forget. I, I told the story and thank you for the call, Steve. I my high school football coach. Um, we had a game against Calhoun. I'll never forget it. We're playing a game against Calhoun, and. We showed up there, and it hadn't rained rained in days, and we showed up there, and the field was mud. And they claimed, you know, whether they claimed or it actually happened, they claimed that they had some sort of uh, sprinkler issue. And the sprinklers went on, nobody knew about it, and it soaked the field. The field was absolute mud. We ran the option offense. We had a very fast quarterback. We had pretty much only a run game, pretty much. And he was convinced they did it to slow us down. He was convinced of it and he gave a big uh speech at the beginning of the at, of the game about how they were disrespecting us and they're doing this and they did this on purpose and he called up the captains to the he like he had me stand up as one of the captains the three of us stood in front of him and he proceeded to just rub the mud in our faces to to show us this is what they think of you this is what they think of you they want you they wanted. I don't know. I don't know the metaphor where it got, slapped, you know, rubbed in my face. But he took a handful of the mud that was out there in the uh, on the field, and he rubbed it in my face to prove a point. So, uh, the idea of it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You don't have to be a Hall of Fame quarterback to want to prove the doubt is wrong, or be angry, or come up with reasons to try and motivate yourself. But I think that was part of it. I think that was part of it. He wanted to do something no one's ever done. And I think he's probably annoyed that he's not going to get the opportunity that it doesn't make sense. But at least it sounds like he's sensible enough to realize it doesn't make sense. And coming back would only be foolish, and it would only jeopardize next season, which now you have told us is not only next season, but it's the beginning of a multiple-season run with the Jets along with the head coach, along with the offensive coordinator who he loves. And what really bothers me from the callers and different people, like here's the thing with Hackett. He's had a miserable year, and he was a miserable head coach. And at the time, it felt like a cheap shot from Sean Payton and the way his season got started out in Denver, and now maybe the way it'll end after the way they looked against the the Lions. But – they've actually they've obviously had a much better season. Russell Wilson has played much better on the Sean Payton than he did uh, Nathaniel Hackett, but um, this coordinator has been successful with Rodgers. That that you can't argue that. And I don't want to hear whether he called plays, whether he was this, whether he was that. Rodgers is telling you it's his offense that makes me feel comfortable. I believe his offense is an offense that's quarterback-friendly and one I've been successful in. I'm sorry. There are things we can debate and things we can talk about. How important Nathaniel Hackett is to the success of Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers' word over yours. And I think it's silly to even try and argue it. He believes the coach is good. He believes the coach's scheme is good. He believes he can be successful and has won two MVPs inside this offense. And even if you hate the offensive coordinator, even if you think he's an idiot, even if you think he's one of the main reasons and his inability and stubbornness to not change his game plan and figure out a way to get the best of Zach Wilson instead of making Zach Wilson try and fit into his scheme and play the way he he expects his quarterbacks to play and play the way, frankly, Aaron Rodgers plays, or at least the type of football, obviously not on the same level, but the same type of football that Aaron Rodgers plays was stubborn, stupid, and cost this team. Although I don't think Zach Wilson's very good, and I think it would have been tough to build the game plan around him anyway. Whatever blame you want to put at this, the, the foot of this offensive coordinator, if you are going to keep Aaron Rodgers, why in the world would you want to move on from a coach he adores and feels extremely comfortable in. Why would you want to create that headache? Is Aaron Rodgers going to quit? Is Aaron Rodgers going to leave? Is Aaron Rodgers going to hold his breath and stomp his feet? I don't know. Probably not. But he's not going to be as comfortable or as happy or as confident as he would be if you left Hackett there. It makes no sense to me to move on from Hackett at all. Right? So there's there's, there's, there's building block number one. Like, that makes no sense. So if you're not going to move on from him, are you really going to bring in a coach and force an offensive coordinator and a coach, again, that this quarterback called an excellent head coach and a GM that he loved what he's done with the draft, a, a job by these two men that warranted him wanting to be here? Do you think he picked the Jets by accident? Do you think Tom Brady picked the Bucks by accident? Whether it was foolhardy or what, it, whether or not it will ever work just because the Jets are the Jets, I don't know. But there was a reason why Rogers wanted to come here. He did see something. And if you're going to stick with him, you stick with the entire plan, half-assing it, changing it because they didn't show up against Miami. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because you want blood. It doesn't make sense. I Even if he's not the right, there's time to move on. And I firmly believe if Rodgers instills in the team that he believes in the coach, then losing the room won't be a problem because they believe in him. There is no doubt they believe in Aaron Rodgers. They believe the guy is magic. Whether he is or he isn't, they believe it. And if he's out there telling everybody who listen how great Douglas is, how great Salah is, and how great, Hackett is, I don't think it'll be a hard sell to get this team behind that trio. I really don't. I don't think he's going to lose the team as long as he's got Rodgers. And that was the only thing, as we saw him shake his head and be in disgust on the field in Miami, you weren't sure where Aaron Rodgers stood. You you figured where he stood with with, with Hackett at least, but not not so much the head coach, and maybe not so much the GM. You weren't sure. With the debacle this season's become and the way he looked on the sidelines. But on Tuesday, on his typical game day again uh, for the Pat McAfee show, he made it loud and clear. These are my guys. And so the plan goes on. The beat goes on. The rent, it stays on like a before. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Five hours goes so fast when you're dealing with such lovely, beautiful, articulate people such as yourselves. I really do appreciate it. Colton, thank you very much for guiding us through. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. I will catch you tomorrow after the Knicks net game where the Knicks will kick booty. Is that what he said? Booty. There will be booty kicked in Brooklyn and it shall be done by the New York Knickerbocker. So we'll be on after the game and after Keith, and I'll see you at 2 a.m. McMonigle, out. Catch you guys tomorrow.
2: Sports Radio 101.9 FM.